Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are all. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are all. Hello and welcome to. Highly contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with George today. George, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Had a good uh, Thanksgiving holiday little weekend. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. I had a nice Halloween weekend as well. Got to eat some zucchini casserole, got to eat some sweet potato casserole. You know, all kinds of other casseroles and, you know, got to eat a giant turkey leg. That was pretty cool, you know? Yeah. So uh, let me ask you, what, what's your uh, favorite side dish for uh, Thanksgiving? You, my man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nah, uh, let's see. My favorite side dish. Um, I, I I love cornbread, honestly. Like cornbread's my thing. Yeah, you, lo- you love you some uh, cornbread? Yeah. What about you? Oh man, I gotta say, either some some type of potatoes or that mac and cheese be hitting different. Mm, I feel it. I feel it. Some of today's featured topics include: Do you think that Demarcus Cousins can revive his career in Houston? Is it time to bench Wentz for Jalen Hurts? And our crew here at Highly Contested are going to identify who we believe are our top five NFL teams so far this season. Let's dive right into it here on Highly Contested. We're to start with the NBA. Multiple contracts have been signed by many different NBA players, and one of the most notable contracts has been the Houston Rockets signing of DeMarcus Cousins. Cousins, who has fought back from multiple injuries since his time with the New Orleans Pelicans, is now primed to team up with Harden at in Houston to try for a title. So, George, do you think that Cousins can revive his career in Houston? Yeah, I think that this was a great move, both sides by the Rockets. And, you know, I think this gives Boogie a great chance to revive his career and also help the Rockets compete. Uh, When healthy, he was arguably one of the best big men in the NBA. He was averaging 21.2 points per game had a 46% field goal percentage. He had 10.9 rebounds per game in those nine seasons before all of his injuries. Now, health for him is going to be the biggest issue moving forward for him. But when he was healthy, he was an all-star caliber player. He He would be perfect for this fit and how the Rockets like to play with James Harden and now, you know, with Westbrook. He's a dominant big man who can play with his back to the basket. He can stretch the floor with his shooting, and he can also run in transition, you know, and keep up with that fast pace that the Rockets like to play at. His last years in Sacramento, and then also when he went to the Pelicans, he was shooting 35 to 37% from three-point range, which, you know, is pretty good for a center of his size. And, you know, the Rockets' biggest problem that we've seen in the last few seasons moving into the playoffs was always size. So they always had PJ Tucker at six, five playing the center. Now you can throw in boogie who is six ten, 
And, you know, like I already mentioned, he could hurt defenders in multiple ways. He's really good. And, you know, not only having a big man like that helps them, but it also takes that load off players like P.J. Tucker, who now don't have to exert all that energy, you know, playing defense on someone way bigger than them. So now you can have a, you know, more rested P.J. Tucker who can maybe hit those threes that we saw him missing in a lot of those games because he was tired you know they're asking him to go out there guard anthony davis stephen adams you know and they're way bigger than him so you know if this team stays constructed you know they keep Harden, they keep westbrook you know maybe add a couple small pieces or you know whatever the case is i think he can really help them in that playoff push what are your thoughts andrew on uh, boogie going to houston rockets honestly i love this move so much that it almost makes you question, like, why didn't it happen sooner? You like, you know what I mean? I don't know if you thought the same thing, George. I I kind of thought, why did not? Why did this not happen like three years ago, four, like two years ago? Yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying. You know, when I sat down and really thought about it, I was like, wow, Boogie's really a great fit because he can play their style and be a big. You know, hundred percent. And you know, you're talking about a guy who. For, you know, for a while, when, you know, when Dwight Howard was in, you know, his prime Orlando Magic years, you know, we always looked at him as like, you know, the, the, the more dominant big man in the league. Once that kind of subsided, you know, we started looking at, okay, who's like the best big man. It was, it was DeMarcus Cousins for a cool minute. And it was because of, you know, what you said, he's just big. He plays that center role really well. He can, you know, he can just back you up in ways that a lot of other players can't. Uh, plus, he's just super, super agile and super mobile, and that helps him, you know, stretch the floor. It helps him run. Uh, it helps him run the rim like on both ends. You know, he can be a rim protector on one end, and he can just totally attack the basket on the other end. So, it in my my honest opinion, it, like I said, it just really makes me wonder why this move had not happened yet. Now, it's weird that it's happening now, but I'm glad that it's happening now. But the reason why I'm saying it's weird that it's happening now is because, you know, he's gone through a few serious injuries already. We don't know exactly the kind of player that he is. We saw, I mean, we saw him kind of get thrown into the fire on the uh not this past finals but last year's finals for the golden state warriors we kind of saw him get thrown into the fire and we haven't really seen anything much since um because you know clearly coming back from injury you probably don't want to play in the intensity of a finals series but you know obviously he didn't have a choice and he was gunning for it so in my honest opinion if he can be any sort of the athletic player that he once was i think he can still be a dominant force and he doesn't have to do a lot. He just has to get boards and do just a little bit more than like what Clint Capella was doing for them way back when. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's a huge upgrade from a player like Clint Capella because, you know, Boogie isn't just a, a catch and lob type of player. He could do it all, you know. And, you know, one of the things that I would say is kind of underrated from him is, you know, his footwork. He's got really good footwork, and that's what I'm saying. He can really do damage inside, you know. And, uh, you know, you mentioned how he kind of got thrown into the fire in the finals with the Warriors. But to me, you know, that showed a lot of heart 
that, you know, he wants to go out there, compete, win. And from all the reports that I'm reading coming out, you know, from the Rockets camp or, you know, whoever's on Boogie's camp, you know, they're saying he's really motivated and hungry to, you know, go out there. And again, he's on a one-year deal. So again, he's out there trying to prove that he is still that guy. So health is going to be the biggest thing. And I really hope that he can stay healthy this season and go out there and prove what he could do. I hope he can stay healthy as well, because it's, it's one of those things you, you know, obviously you never wish it on anybody, but like, if I were to pick somebody that like, I just don't want it to happen to you at all this season. It's for me, it's going to be DeMarcus cousins this year, because you know, that guy's had such a rough time with all his injuries and you know, it's, it's just going to be unfortunate if he does get injured, you know, like I said, hopefully he doesn't knock on wood, you know, hopefully he doesn't, but if he does, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, dude, again, no, why, you know, like what's going on in the world. Uh, but, um, if he doesn't, I think he can be a really solid player for this Rockets team, especially if they decide to keep Harden Westbrook. I'm not too sure if they, they'll decide to keep him. I know that he's, you know, I know that he's extremely unhappy with the fact that, you know, he doesn't have the ball in his hand most of the time. But I think if Harden stays and, you know, you got you got Eric Gordon, you got other good solid role players, this could be this could be a force. Now, George, I'm going to ask you this question. Let's say Harden stays and for the sake of argument, we'll say Westbrook leaves because um that's what it seems like at least uh, for me at least that's what it seems like. But what's let's say let's say that Harden at least stays. Where do you see this team? Do you see this team as a playoff team or no? I mean, yeah, I definitely see them as a playoff team. But how far can they go in the playoffs? I think that's the bigger question. I definitely think they can make playoffs. But, you know, maybe second round, maybe the conference finals. You know, I I think that's kind of where I would put them. I wouldn't really see them coming out of the West. I, I see them as a low seed in the West. And, you know, it's just because of how, you know, competitive, competitive the West can get. Um, you know, I have, I have some teams, you know, I have some, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about here in a little bit, actually. But I have some teams, in my opinion, who I think that, that uh, will be, you know, more dominant than others uh, because of certain, you know, because of certain players. But um, I think that they'll be a low seed, if anything. But I think that all, of course, depends on whether or not they keep Harden. Because if they don't keep Harden, this will unfortunately, you know, this signing of DeMarcus Cousins will be, you know, too little, too late, in my opinion. Yeah, and, you know, I, the thing right now is, you know, are they going to keep both James Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook? And I know they're not trying to get rid of them for, you know, pennies on the dollar. But so it sounds like they're going to try to keep them. And, you know, that, I mean, that's what I would do if I'm not getting a good deal you know, in return, but we saw, you know, when Boogie teamed up with Anthony Davis and they ran those two bigs, you know, they had Rondo, of course, and playoff Rondo showed up, but we saw them basically upset the Portland Trailblazers. So, and that's, you know, two bigs basically in a guard heavy league. So now you throw in two, you know, future hall of fame point guards, if they both stay and you throw in, you know, hopefully like an 80% Boogie cousins in there. I mean, if they are a low seed, kind of like you're saying, I think they have upset potential that they could go out there and upset someone. I think if they are a lower seed. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, let's keep in mind that you know Demarcus Cousins was hurt in the next playoff series that they played with when they played because uh, what happened is the Pelicans, that same Pelicans team, ended up moving on and playing the Golden State Warriors. And I mean, in my in my opinion, they would have given the Warriors trouble because you know you obviously have a guy in Anthony Davis, you have Rajon Rondo running the point, and you know that was that was when Drew was playing really well too in the playoffs. Uh, you know, because he's a He's a postseason guy. He's one of those guys that he steps up in the playoffs. And so I think they would have given the Warriors a solid run for their money. And of course, you know, DeMarcus Cousins ends up getting hurt. They don't uh, They don't give the Warriors a run for their money. I, and, you know, we could be having a completely different discussion today, you know, if, if DeMarcus Cousins doesn't get hurt in that series, I think so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sadly, this is probably one of those careers that we look at and we look at, wow, like injuries really you know, stop this guy's career. Unfortunately. Yeah, it really does seem so because especially considering that this, especially considering he was finally going on contending teams, you know, he went to the Pelicans, then he went to the Warriors and he went to the Lakers, you know, now he's going to be on the Rockets. Like every time he's been on one of the, you know, he was on the Kings for the longest time and the Kings just unfortunately never could, wrap together a good team around him but he you know once he moves on from the kings you know he's always going to these contender teams and unfortunately the injuries just derailed his career like you said yeah i'm just hoping he could be at least like 80 percent of himself or something like that you know maybe not asked to do as much so he doesn't have to be you know up what he once was but i would love to see him out there with those two point guards or guards and James Harden and Russell Westbrook see what they could cook up in there if I was a Rockets fan I'd be very happy with 80 percent definitely yeah I mean he's gonna go out there he's gonna try you know Boogie he's never been one of those guys that's out there you know going half effort so I think he's gonna be out there and he's had time to rest up now so mm-hmm. hopefully you know he is 100 percent healthy going into the season and you know like you said knock on wood hopefully he doesn't get re-injured because you know, you were saying him and Dwight Howard at one point, but I remember when the talks were before he even went to the Pelicans, you know, who was better, who was the best big man in the league? Was it Anthony Davis? Was it DeMarcus Cousins? Like he was up there with AD in those talks before they even paired up. That's why when they paired up, everyone was like, oh my God, they got these two guys together. So, right. Agreed. 100%. Oh. That's why I felt like they would have given the Warriors trouble, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, especially like, like I said earlier, like in a guard heavy league, they're running two bigs, <laughs> you know, when bigs were almost getting obsolete here, they came out and showed, Hey, they could still succeed, but not just, you know, they weren't just two bigs. They were two bigs who could, you know, play anywhere on the floor. I mean, that's how good they were. Oh yeah. They, they could both run transition. I mean, and they can handle, they could dribble, they could basically do it all. That's why I said, you know, this is a good fit for the Rockets and their style of play. I agree 100%. We're going to keep it in the NBA. As previously stated, multiple contracts have been signed by many different NBA players. Some of these players are receiving their first major contracts since their rookie deals. These notable names are De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and Bam Adebayo listed in chronological order of their contract signings. So, George, of the mentioned names, which young player would you rather build your team around? Yeah, a lot of great choices here, but 
if I had to pick one of these guys to build my franchise around, I'm picking Donovan Mitchell. Mm. He's already he's already proven that he can be the main star on a team and take him to the playoffs in a loaded Western Conference while being the main scoring option on that team. Not only that, but we've seen him take it to another level in the playoffs. You know, in this last playoffs in the bubble against Denver, he was the only player to record multiple 50-point games, and he was only 23 years old. So he's proved to me that he has <clears throat> elite potential. And, you know, if the if Utah Jazz can somehow get him a second, you know, all-star in there, no, I'm not saying someone like major, but just another all-star in there. And I think that Utah Jazz could be a real threat in a Western Conference that, you know, is still getting better. Um, but yeah, cause their second best player right now is Rudy Gobert and he's mainly a defensive guy. So he's not much of that offensive threat. And even as a rookie, you know, Donovan Mitchell was showing flashes where he was going out there. He dropped 41 points as a rookie. So definitely if I had to pick one of these young talents to build my team around, I'm picking Donovan Mitchell. Who are you picking Andrew? If you had to build your franchise around one of these young talents. 100% agree with you, Donovan Mitchell, for sure. And this is no disrespect to, you know, Fox, Bam, or Tatum. They're all great players, but I'm not going to ignore the gravity of what it took a fully rostered Nuggets team to stop Donovan Mitchell, who was averaging, like you know, 36.3 points per game versus the Nuggets. 36.3 points per game against that good defensive Nuggets team. You're talking about that, you know, you're talking about that same Nuggets defense that stopped Paul George and Kawhi Leonard from getting comfortable for three straight games in a series. I mean, that says something. You want to talk about his three-point percentage and what it was? It was 51.6%. Do you know how hard that is? And he did it in the playoffs against a great defensive team, 51.6%. And it's not like he was only shooting a couple of threes, too. I mean, he was averaging 9.1 three-point attempts this that whole series. 51.6% from three. Then, at the end of it, you know, it literally took, you know, it literally Donovan Mitchell was the only reason why that series came down to the final shot. Because let's remember that Mike Conley... You know, he pulls up a running three-pointer from, you know, a little deep behind the arc to try and win the series for the Jazz. And, you know, that's one. it was one of those things where if that shot went in, the series would have been the, it was, it would have been the Jazz that won that series. But if that, but considering the shot did not go in, the Nuggets won that series. I mean, you know, we all looked at that series. I know you, I know you did, George. You looked at the series and you're like, God damn, what a series. Because so many things were, you know, records were being broken in that series. And then you saw, you know, you saw that series go all the way to game seven and it went, that game seven was back and forth. So many lead changes and for it to come down to literally the last seconds of the game where someone's pulling up a dramatic running three pointer. I mean, that's insane in my opinion. Oh yeah. And then, you know, let's not even forget that the jazz were up three, one, in that playoff series. So like I was saying, you know, if you get him some help, another all-star caliber player, you know, who knows, maybe they, they don't choke that three, one lead, you know, because they knew it was going to be Donovan Mitchell to be scoring those points. If not, no one else was doing it. So 
Yeah, that that was a intense series right there between the the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. And you know what impressed me the most about him during that series was his mentality and his focus the entire series. If you watched him, you saw his poise, you saw his determination to win. So I know that, you know, George, you talked about get this guy a second option. Well, they had a second option for the beginning of the year. It was uh, Bogdanovich. He was their second. He was their second leading scorer the entire year. And unfortunately, he gets hurt, you know, and and they don't have him for the playoffs. So which, like I said, really unfortunate because I guarantee if they have him, they're winning that series versus the Nuggets and. They could be going all the way to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, we saw that that Nuggets team was clearly better than the Clippers team, you know. So we might be, you know, we we might have been looking at a Jazz team that beats even the Clippers in the in the, in the following round, and then you know meets the Lakers in in the Conference Finals. Yeah. And, the, oh, go ahead. No, and the one thing I was just going to add is, and it would have been all thanks to you know Donovan Mitchell, which of course Bogdanovich would have helped a little bit because he again. He was their second leading scorer. He averaged 22 points a game. So, Yeah, I mean, all, all I was going to add really was that the Utah Jazz really got a steal, you know, in that draft class because they, they got him a little later, you know, and he was in the same draft class with Jason Tatum who went, what, number three in that draft. So they really got a steal in that class. Yeah, I believe he went seventh. Donovan Mitchell did. Yeah, so... So if, I mean, like I said, if I had a choice between these four, I'm taking Donovan Mitchell and in my, this is, again, this is no disrespect to the others, but in my, you know, in my honest opinion, it would be a for sure, like Donovan Mitchell over the other four, over the other three. Oh yeah. I mean, that's no knock on anyone else. I mean, they're all great talents. They all deserve their contracts that they just got. Absolutely. Definitely Donovan Mitchell is is the guy for me. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to move to the NFL now. The Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football in a game where the Eagles had no chance of victory once Seattle got on the board, as they were dominated by the Seahawks the entire game. Carson Wentz, who was an MVP candidate back in 2017, now has the most turnovers of any quarterback and has been sacked the most of any quarterback as well. So, George, is it time to bench Wentz for Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I, I think it's getting to that time where it is time to bench Wentz. He's leading the league in interceptions, like you said. He has six games with multiple interceptions. He's getting sacked a ton. Uh, as I was watching that Eagles team on Monday night, it seemed like the team wasn't really rallied behind him or believed in him. Uh, Jalen Hurts goes out there. I think he could be a spark for that team who you know, is still competing for a playoff spot. You know, let's, let's not forget, as bad as the, the record is, they're still out there competing for a playoff spot. So so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly. But, you know, so I, I'd say because they're still competing for it, you know, give Jalen Hurts that chance. See what he could do. Maybe he could spark this team, get him rallied. We saw what Nick Foles was able to do when uh, he took over in that Super Bowl run that they had. He got that team rallied behind him. So... You know, who knows? Maybe they get that underdog mentality back and they're able to surprise us again. But when Jalen Hurts is out there, so he's been out there. He's three for three. He has 33 yards. He's rushed the ball 12 times for 56 yards, which is 4.7 yards per carry. It's a small sample size, but 
You know, when he's out there, he's making things happen. And in that Monday night game, he had those two snaps where he completed the pass to uh, Alshon Jeffrey. And then they put him out there or they switch him out for Wentz on that third down just to get Wentz sacked. So, you know, Wentz, to me, he doesn't seem like he's got this team rallied behind him. So that's why I would say, you know, it's time to bench him. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Do you think it's time to bench Wentz? Um, I don't think it's time to bench Wentz for Hertz. I'm not saying Hertz isn't good, but in my opinion, you could put Patrick Mahomes in that offense and he wouldn't do much better than how Wentz is doing. Let's, let's be real. Wentz is the most sacked quarterback in the league and it isn't even close. He's, he's been sacked 46 times this year. The second most sacked quarterback has been sacked 35 times. Let that sink in. That's well more than 33% more sacks than the second most sacked quarterback. His receiving core has been decimated to the point where he's had to have, he's had to pass the ball to 17 different receivers this season. Doug Peterson, for some reason, has given up on the run game as well. They ran 60 offensive snaps versus the Seahawks, and only nine of them were designed runs. The other five runs were scrambles by Carson Wentz. In fact, Wentz had more rushing yards than the rest of his running backs combined this game. His offensive line is decimated, which contributes probably to the poor run game and the poor pass protection. You could throw Jalen Hurts in there. Uh, but in my opinion, I don't I don't think he's going to do much because of the reasons that I mentioned. This offense overall is just decimated and untalented. I don't think a single person on planet Earth could make this active roster a consistent winning football team. And that's I think that's just what it comes down to. And I know that they're in a bad division and they don't need a consistent winning team to win the division. But I will say that they will need a consistent winning team if they want to make noise in the playoffs. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, I agree with you. Uh, you know, the team is still going to be the team no matter who the quarterback is. So that line is still going to be the same line. The receivers are still going to be the same receivers. But, you know, I think if Jalen Hurts is able to go out there and spark this team up, because to me, when, I, when I'm watching that game, it doesn't seem like the receivers are trying to get open. You know, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say they're running like half-assed routes or anything, but I mean, it, it just seems like they're not rallied behind Wentz. And, you know, like I said, when uh, the small sample size, but when Hertz is out there, you know, things are happening and he, he can do things. And I kind of question the drive and motor behind Carson Wentz because we saw, you know, that year the Nick Foles won. And then the following year, you know, Wentz really didn't want Nick Foles in there anymore. He was you know, a little bummed that he was getting all the glory for winning that Super Bowl and that, you know, he did that in the playoffs because Wentz got hurt. So what happened this season, they go out there, they draft another quarterback, you know, early in that second round. So I kind of question like, is Wentz like low key kind of like sabotaging himself because he's bummed that they went out there and they drafted another quarterback when they still have him because we saw him kind of pout a little bit when you know that year after they won the Super Bowl because they had Nick Foles there he was getting all the glory for winning that Super Bowl so then they shipped him out then they go and draft another quarterback and you know he doesn't have that competitive dog in him like for example Aaron Rodgers you know who's in that same boat where they go out there they draft another quarterback in the first round but 
what Aaron Rodgers does instead of, you know, like pouting or, you know, doing whatever he's out there showing like, Hey, I'm still elite. I'm going to go out there and prove everyone wrong and show you guys that I'm still a bad man. I'm still Aaron Rodgers. And I think part of that's that mentality. I, I just don't think Carson Wentz has that in him. Do you think that it, do you think that the fact that there's just so many things on the offense that are not going the offense's way, not just his way, but the offense's way. Do you think that plays a role though? Because I mean, I, I feel like it does play a huge role that, you know, like, I mean, if you, if you watched him that game, if you watched him that game versus the Seahawks, that guy was making one read and then he would throw the ball. And in my opinion, you don't do that unless you're really unless you're really concerned at the fact that you don't have enough time to make multiple reads. And I think that's what he's thinking in his head. I think he's thinking, well, I've been sacked so many times already this year. I I don't have the time. I, I can only make one read and that's it. And, you know, I think that that's probably a big contributing factor to his interception rate as well. I mean, yeah, that, that plays a role. You know, when you get hit that much, you're you're going to see ghosts. You're going to see things that aren't there because you're getting hit so much. But to me, that's still not a huge excuse because I've seen other quarterbacks, terrible offensive lines. And like, for example, Deshaun Watson, he's had a bad offensive line for so long. And, you know, he's still out there being Deshaun Watson. And, you know, a few years ago, Carson Wentz was in that MVP talk. So it's not like he's a bum or was a bum, but you know, yeah, that offensive line is bad, but you still got to make your reads. You still got to give your receivers the best chance because, you know, he threw that ball to, was it Goddard? Mm -hmm. He could have had a touchdown pass, you know, but he underthrew him big time. So, you know, yeah, some of it can go on the offensive line. That's not protecting him. But at the end of the day, it's still him out there throwing the ball and making poor reads and, I remember in the beginning of the season, you know, they were saying that he basically wasn't going with the plays that the coach was telling him to run. He was changing it and making plays for himself that weren't working and were kind of bad. So, well, I will say this, if they, if they're thinking, if they're thinking about putting Jalen Hurts in, I think that. I'm not sure. I mean, you can try it, you know, because this, it's not a bad time to do it considering how weak the division is and how, you know, if the fact that they're the fact that they're three, seven and one, and they still have an amazing, they still have a, a legitimate shot at winning this division. <laughs> I mean, you can throw, you can throw Jalen hurts out there and see, but I, I just don't, I'm still unsure. I don't think that he's going to, I don't think it's going to be that significant of a difference. I think maybe Jalen Hurts might be agile enough to escape a few of the sacks, but I don't. I don't think the offense is going to be firing on you know a different cylinder. If you know for you know proverbially speaking, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of wonder because that year they did win the Super Bowl, they had that underdog mentality. So I'm just wondering if if they're able to get a spark and get reminded of that underdog mentality under Hertz, how far can they go? You know, will, will it make a difference because will they try more? Will they do something different if Hertz is back there instead of Wentz? Who knows? 
You're right. Who knows? I think another thing you have to take into consideration, though, is um, are most of those most of those players that had that underdog mentality and that will to win that year they won the Super Bowl. Are most of those players even playing? Because you know, like I said, a lot of injuries, and of course, you know, free agency every year comes and goes. Players get traded. You know, are are a lot of those players even still active on this roster right now? Um, given their injuries and everything, I don't know. Yeah, and then uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted something out that was pretty interesting. So he had his last four seasons of Carson Wentz. So his completion percentage dropped. So in the last four seasons, it was 64.4. And then this season, it's 58.1. His passing yards have dropped from 260 to 231. His yards per attempt have dropped from 7.2 to 6.0. Uh, his touchdowns, interceptions, he had, you know, 81 touchdowns to those 21 interceptions. So now it's 16 touchdowns for 15 interceptions. His passer rating dropped from 98.3 to 73.4. And then since 1950, Wentz is the sixth quarterback and the only one that's under the age of 30 to have a passer rating more than 24 points below his combined rating over the prior three seasons. So, and the other quarterbacks, the other five quarterbacks that had that big of a drop all retired the next season. So he's the youngest quarterback to have that big of a drop in his passer rating. And he's the youngest. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The other ones on that list were, you know, Peyton Manning back in 2015, but then he uh, retired Brett Favre in 2010. Then he retired. So, you know, we're, we're seeing him go downhill a bit. And, you know, I don't know if it's all him or if they got to reboot this whole Eagles team and get him some help, but something's got to happen. I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, Maybe, you know, I don't think it's, I, if, like I said, you know, I personally don't think it's time to bench him, but if, if I'm an Eagles fan, maybe I am thinking that maybe I am thinking, Hey, you know what? Let's see what Jalen hurts got. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely what they're, thinking about for sure now okay so the eagles who many picked to actually win this division are now three seven and one and in third place barely ahead of the dallas cowboys george who do you see winning this division with five games remaining oh man this is gonna be tough you know do you know when uh daniel jones will come back because i know he had a little hamstring injury but i'm not too sure on his timetable um, they said it was going to be a few weeks, so I would imagine two minimum. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the way it's going, I'd almost want to say the, the Giants might take it. The, the Giants are playing much better football, in my opinion, but they have the same record as the Washington football team. And, you know, Danny, Daniel Jones, you know, he's been doing he's been doing better. And that and then that entire Washington or that entire um, New York team has been doing better, but I don't know if the I think the injury is going to be just enough to allow the Washington football team to take it. So I think it's going to be the Washington football team. Yeah, I mean it's definitely going to be a race <laughs> to see who who comes out of this division. But you know, like like you said, the Giants were playing pretty well. I mean, for their standards, but 
you know, and I, and I think they did say he was going to be out for maybe a week or two. And, you know, it, he, he's not like a wide receiver or running back. He, he does rush a bit, but I think he could, you know, go out there, stay in the pocket and still throw with a, you know, semi healed hamstring. So, I mean, I, I don't know. This is a tough division to pick a winner. So <laughs> I'll just say the Giants probably. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We definitely will. Yeah, because I'm, I'm tired of uh, predicting the Cowboys to win when they, they keep losing. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to keep it in the NFL. The playoff pictures have begun, and we're finally starting to look at some potential matchups and calculating who we believe are the best teams in the NFL. So, George, who are your top five NFL teams with five weeks left of the season? Yeah, so my little power rankings for the NFL right now. So at number five, uh, I'm going to go from five to one. So at number five, I got the Seahawks. So I moved the Seahawks into the fifth for now because Russell Wilson, he's still out there. He's still on the ball. And DK Metcalf, he seems to be the Derrick Henry of wide receivers right now. He's a grown man amongst these boys, and he completely mm. he completely dominated Darius Slay. In that Eagles matchup, he had those 10 receptions, 177 yards. And, you know, the story for the Seahawks this season has been their historically bad defense. And, you know, it seems like they've taken some steps forward with that, with the arrival of uh, Carlos Dunlap, the edge rusher that they got. And, you know, in that game, they allowed 250 uh, yards and sacked Wentz six times. So for that reason, I got the Seahawks at five. At number four, I got the Buffalo Bills. So the Bills, they're leading the AFC East. Uh, they were able to beat the Chargers. They uh, are led by the emerging quarterback of Josh Allen. They got that solid defense still. And, you know, against that win against the Chargers, they showed that they were able to actually run the ball. You know, in most of their wins, they were pass heavy, didn't show much of a run game, but they seemed to adapt. And, you know, they're growing as a team still. So they're an emerging, you know, dark horse right there, but they're still leading the AFC East. So I got them at four. Number three, I got the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers seems to be on his remind me tour. Many people last year were writing him off saying that he fell off. The Packers even drafted a quarterback in the first round. And this season he's out there reminding everyone that he's still a bad man. He shredded that Chicago Bears for four touchdown passes. He leads the league with 33 and has only thrown four interceptions while leading the league in passer rating with 117.6. And then at number two, I got the Steelers. So the Steelers, they're still undefeated. They're led by their veteran championship quarterback in Big Ben. And this team, you know, they're still healthy for the most part. Um, they got explosives, explosive weapons all around. They got that elite defense. So I got them right now, ranked number two. And then ranked number one, I got the Chiefs. So the Chiefs, they got the best quarterback in the game. Uh, he sent a message to the Buccaneers. He threw 462 yards. He threw uh, three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill exploded in his game. He had himself 13 receptions, 269 yards. And had all three of those touchdowns. 
So the Chiefs, they're still the defending champs. Got them still at number one. Drew, what's your power ranks look like? I cannot believe that you do not have the only undefeated team as the number one team. That's all I'm saying. Hey, man, you, you do you really think that they're better than the Chiefs? Not not record, because, you know, even preseason when we were talking, you know, we, we did talk about the Steelers having one of the easiest schedules in the league. So, you know, they, they are undefeated. No knock on them. I got them number two, you know, but I think the Chiefs have been balling, especially as of late. They, they've been, you know, balling at a higher level. So you asked me if I legitimately believe that the Steelers are better than the Chiefs, and the answer is yes. I believe 100% that the Steelers are a better team than the Chiefs from top to bottom. Now, when we talk about a team, we have to look at the team collectively. And let's be real here. Yes, Mahomes, great quarterback, best quarterback in the league right now. And, uh, you know, the only other quarterback I would say is, you know, matching him is Aaron Rodgers right now. Aaron Rodgers is, you know, going toe-to-toe right now, at least, you know, stats-wise. But, uh, you know, the Steelers, they – we're not going to discount that Hall of Fame quarterback, though, over in Pittsburgh. All right? That guy, he, you know, he steps up in big games. He's shown it time and time again. That's why he's got two rings. So you got that to take into consideration. Neither of these teams has a solid run game, so you know, I don't think we can I don't think we should take the run game into account. The coaching, I mean, let's be real here, both sides got great coaching. Special teams, I think that both sides actually do a really good job in special teams. So, if I'm looking if I'm looking at the one thing that the Chiefs have an advantage of over the Steelers, I would say it's their receiving core. Because that receiving core is experienced. They're veterans. They've, you know, they've been there. The Steelers receiving core, while talented, I would say, though, that they're not nearly as experienced. So let's see how they do when the lights are the brightest. But the one thing, though, that I would say is an overwhelming advantage for the Steelers is that defense. That defense is scary. That defense is legit. That defense is right now is on track to break the record for most consecutive sacks in NFL history in games. So what that basically means is they're on track to register they're on track to register at least one sack in every game. I think the record is 65 games if I'm not mistaken. Right now they're like 3 games away, 4 games away, something like that. They're on they're on pace to break that record and you know, they're getting sacks every game, multiple sacks. You know, it's not like, it's not like, oh, they're just getting one here and one there. No, they're getting multiple sacks every game. And so they're being very disruptive to offenses everywhere. And in my, in my honest opinion, Patrick Mahomes is great and we can't dismiss that. But we saw that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense hold him to 27 points so in the the tampa bay buccaneers defense you know they're good but that secondary is very questionable and we saw you know we saw poor we saw we saw tyree kill make carlton davis look like carlton banks out there trying to guard him so (laughs) 
<laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, let's let's not you know let's not readily dismiss the fact that you know Patrick Mahomes can possibly be stopped by a great defense and a great coach. And in my opinion, you got a great coach in Mike Tomlin, and you got a great defense in that Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I'm very excited actually to see the matchup between those two in the playoffs. Oh yeah, I mean. I think that's the matchup we're all looking for. I think that's going to be the Super Bowl, <laughs> really. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, in the NFC. But in number two, I do have the Chiefs. They are a close second. I will say that. But in number two, I do have the Chiefs for all the reasons that I mentioned already. You know, obviously you got the best quarterback in the game. Okay, you got a great receiving core. Special teams, solid. Defense, solid. Coaching, great, in my opinion. I, I I really respect the coaching in Kansas City a lot. The offensive mind of Andy Reid is is there. It really is there. It's what helps get these it's what helps gets it's what helps get these receivers open for Patrick Mahomes to make these throws to, you know? So I respect that team a lot. And that's why I think that you know, head and shoulders, the two best teams in the NFL are coming from the AFC. The third team, I would say, is the New Orleans Saints. I mean, look what look what they're doing with a guy who has never scored a pass touchdown in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. They're they're finding ways to win, and I and you know you can make the argument, okay, they're against you know it's Taysom Hill's been doing it against you know not great teams. You can make that argument, but. They're, you know, they're still winning football games. At the end of the day, they're still winning football games and they're still in first place in the NFC. So what does that mean? If they maintain that, the NFC is going to go through the Superdome in New Orleans. Nobody wants to play there. And I know that fans are an issue right now, but let's be real. Nobody wants to play in a place where the home team feels that confident walking into that game. So that's why I feel like you know, that's why I feel like the Saints are going to be the team that represents the NFC coming out. But let's go to my fourth pick. Fourth pick is the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans, I'm just going to be I'm just going to be real with you. The only real reason why I have the Tennessee Titans in this in this spot is because playoff time is in winter time, and when it's winter time, you are not going to want to get cracked by Derrick Henry. Let's just be real. <laughs> so that's like the only reason why I have him there because that man is that man is the ice that man is the abominable snowman and he you know he will literally wreck you like a train. So nobody's going to want to see that guy in the winter. And then finally in fifth place we have the Seattle Seahawks. They have, you know, let's be real, Russell Wilson, he's got the best deep ball accuracy in the entire league. You know, and with and with great quarterbacks such as Mahomes and Rodgers and, you know, Drew Brees, that, I think it says something that, you know, he's got the the best deep ball accuracy in the game. So, that's obviously a big deal when you have two receivers like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. You know, two great deep threat receivers like that. So the Seahawks, you know, they're not, in my opinion, they're going to be one of those teams where, you know, they can literally beat anybody. They, I mean, they could beat, they could honestly beat any team. You know, the Chiefs, the Steelers, they could beat any team. 
on, you know, on a given Sunday because they're that explosive on offense, but it's just a matter of, is that defense going to be able to help? And, you know, you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned what Carlos Dunlap, he's coming back, right? Yeah. Well, you know, we, they also have, they also have, um, I can't remember his first name, but, uh, is it, I think it's Sharkeith Griffin. Yeah. Um, he's the cornerback for them. You know, he's that, that was their number one corner or that, sorry, that is their number one corner. And they finally have him back after I think he, I I think the last game he played was week one. So they finally have him back. And so hopefully that's going to bolster their pass defense, because as we, as we talked about that, that pass defense was, you know, is on pace to be the worst pass defense in NFL history. So big deal there. Hopefully, Griffin can come in and make that make that pass defense better if he can. And, you know, with the with the addition of Carlos Dunlap as well, that that team could be pretty scary. So that's in my opinion, those are my five teams, Steelers, Chiefs, Saints, Titans and Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, you know, the biggest question for the Seahawks was that defense seems like they're stepping it up. My only difference really was the saints and you know i had a hard time putting them in that top five with Taysom hill as their quarterback and you know we saw them beat up on the broncos who didn't even have a quarterback so i can't really put the saints in there right now if they had drew Brees, it'd be a different story yes they'd be in there but you know he had a pretty serious injury you know i i know they were talking about him you know being there for the playoffs but We'll still have to see how his recovery comes and how they do. So for that, I had to knock them down and, you know, can't argue with the Tennessee Titans. I was kind of debating for them in that fifth spot. You know, it was between them and the Seahawks. So, but yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the Bills and Packers, those are, you can never count out Aaron Rodgers. You can never count that guy out uh, because of the fact, you know, of course, he's just a bad man. And the Bills, I think the Bills are looking, you know, if we're looking at all these teams, you know, because a lot of these teams have flaws, right? You see the Titans have, you know, they have flaws in their defense. Seahawks, same thing, flaws in their defense. Saints, I mean, you know, we're imagining Drew Brees comes back, but if he doesn't, obviously flawed in their quarterback, you know. Uh, the, the three teams that I have on here, you know, the Bills, they're a team that they don't really have flaws, so um, it's it's not like they're you know the Bills aren't like amazing in like a specific way such as like you know the Steelers their defense is amazing or the the Chiefs their offense is amazing you know they're not like amazing in any way but like they're just great all around the the Bills are so that's definitely a good option as well. Yeah, definitely a well-rounded team right there, and uh, I think our our biggest debate is that one and two spot. <laughs> Yeah, that's facts. We'll have to see, right? I think uh, I'm feeling a bet coming on, George, that that week. Yeah, we'll we'll see. If if they match up in the playoffs, I mean, I'm not scared to uh, bet a little something here or there. Yeah, I'm not scared either. I'm I'm so not scared that, you know, you can you could probably feel my not fear through this, you know, through this podcast. I don't know, man. You sound pretty confident over there, but we'll see when the time comes if you feel the same. (laughs) Well, that's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. Highly contested.
Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly cont